As we start thinking about it this morning, I want to ask you a question, and that is this. What is the number one question about heaven that you would like to have answered? Now, I'm not up here to tell you that I'm going to answer that question. <laughs> but there are so many questions that people have about heaven. And that's partly because the Bible tells us about heaven and mentions it often, but doesn't tell us a lot about it, and it leaves a lot of gaps in the information. And so there's a lot for us to wonder about. Some of these questions that we have are, are just kind of curiosity questions. They're kind of lighthearted questions. For example, uh, in heaven, will I look like I do at the time of my passing? Or will I look like I did when I was young and more handsome than anybody in the world? <laughs> you know, uh, which, will, which will it be? Or will it be neither since our bodies will be transformed? Maybe we won't look like either our later selves or our earlier selves. What will we wear in heaven? When I was growing up in the Methodist church back in Merkle, Texas, our uh, Sunday school teacher was a minister's wife, and she was a pleasant, jolly lady. And one day in class, she said something about heaven, and she said, you know, you hear a lot about people in heaven wearing robes. And she said, I've never really liked robes. She said, I don't want to wear a robe. I want a jeweled sweater. And, and if you knew her, you could understand her personality. It was a jeweled sweater personality. So she hoped to get to heaven and find a jeweled sweater wearing, uh, waiting for her. Will we need our glasses when we, we get to heaven? Will we get back the teeth that we lost and so forth on, on the way? What will we do in heaven all day? Or will there be days in heaven? Will there be work? Will we eat? Will there be calories? No. Will there be government? No. So we have those kinds of lighthearted sort of questions, but then there are some questions about heaven that are much more thoughtful and much more serious. Will we know one another in heaven? We think about that a lot, don't we? Because we want to know each other. We love the people that we love here in this earth, and we want to, we want to know that we're going to be with them and love them in the next life and know who they are. Will someone who died in infancy be raised as an infant or be raised as the adult they never had the opportunity to be? Will we be aware of loved ones who are not there? Will we live together as families? Many of our questions go unanswered because the Bible just doesn't say. We have to wait to find out. But this morning I want us to consider two more Broad, broadly cast questions that I think are answered to some degree in the Bible, and that is, what is heaven and where is heaven? So first of all, let's think about what is heaven. And let me say this uh, just as clearly as I know how to say it. If you don't get anything else out of this series of studies of heaven, I hope you get this. I hope you understand this, that heaven is where we will live in the presence of God and of Christ for all eternity. That's what heaven is. Heaven is living forever in the presence of the Lord who made us and the Savior who died for us. It is being in God's presence. It is being in the presence of Jesus our Lord. It is that state of spiritual perfection where there will be nothing to separate us from God. Right now we have 
sin and temptation and the flesh and the limitations of being in, in this body and of being in this world, all of those things standing as a veil between us and God. But in heaven, that won't happen. Heaven is unbroken communion with the God who made us and the Savior who redeemed us from sin. Now, the, the fact that heaven is where God is is a, a st something that's stated over and over in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let me just remind you of a few of the places. There are so many of them, but Psalms 14, verses 1 and 2. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. The Lord looks down from heaven on us. Daniel chapter 2, and verse 28. You remember when Daniel was summoned by King Nebuchadnezzar because he'd been told that Daniel could interpret dreams? And Nebuchadnezzar had had really a nightmare, and he called Daniel in, and he said, I understand that you can interpret dreams. And Daniel said, oh, no, O king. He said, it's not within my power to interpret dreams. But he said, there is a God in heaven, and he can interpret your dreams. And then later in Daniel 2, he calls him the God of heaven. And many times in the Old Testament, that's how God is described. He is the God of heaven. That's who he is. Jesus taught us to pray, our Father in heaven. 1 Peter 3, 22 tells us that Jesus has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is right now. The book of 1 John, or excuse me, John chapter 14, verse 3, as you heard read just a moment ago, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You remember after the crucifixion and the resurrection that Jesus ascended back into heaven, the Bible says. Acts chapter 1, verse 11 uh, says that the apostles were standing around and watching Jesus as he ascended into heaven. And angels appeared to them and they said, why do you stand looking into heaven? This same Jesus whom you saw go into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then Revelation 21, in verse 3, says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Heaven is where God is, being in heaven is being in the presence of God. We sometimes, I think, get caught up in all the imagery of the book of Revelation about the gates of pearl and the, the streets of gold and all the other things, and we lose sight of the fact that the central attraction of heaven is not those things. The central attraction of heaven is God himself. That's what we strive for. That's what we desire, is to be in the presence of God. It's not the golden streets or the pearly gates. And... It's the thought of being forever in God's presence and living with him and worshiping him throughout all eternity. That's what we're really seeking. That's what we should really be drawn to. You remember how in Exodus 33, verse 11, describes what's called the, what's called the tent of meeting when the Israelites were in the wilderness. And Moses would go and he would stand at the door of the tent of meeting and all Israel would gather around. And the Bible says that there the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. God talking to a man 
face to face. The Hebrew literally says mouth to mouth as a man speaks with his friend. Can you imagine what that must be like? Imagine what it must be like to confer with God, to have a conversation with God. Well, one day we will know because 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. That's why we have all of our questions, because what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. We will see him as he is. One of the most deeply spiritual men that I've ever known in my life, was a man named W.C. Orr, and Dub Orr uh, had a great influence on me many years ago, became a good friend. Dub was a very godly man, very uh, good student of the word, very good teacher, an elder in the church, a Christian businessman, and after many years of marriage, Dub's beloved wife, Polly, passed away. And I saw Dub at another funeral a few years after Polly's passing, and he was telling me how, how hard that had been. And he said, you know, he said, I went for about two years just wishing I could die and go to heaven and be with Polly. He said, that's all I wanted. He said, I didn't want to live. I didn't want to do anything. He said, I just wanted to go and be with Polly. But he said, eventually... I repented of that idolatry. See, what he realized was he should want to go to heaven to be with God. And in going to heaven to be with God, he'd have the blessing of being with Polly. But the central attraction of heaven for all of us has to be our creator. It has to be God himself. That's what it's all about. It's being in his presence for all eternity. So that's what heaven is. Where is heaven? The word heaven in the Bible is usually used in at least three different ways. One is we just talked about the dwelling place of God. That's where God is. That's heaven. Another is that sometimes the word heaven is used as a substitute for referring to God himself. For example, in uh, Daniel 4, verse 26, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is told, Your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules and obviously that means from the time that you know that God rules the God in heaven the God of heaven we sometimes say something like heaven help us or I hope heaven smiles on us we're talking about God aren't we so we use the word heaven as a substitute for the name of God and then there is the plural use the heavens to talk about the atmosphere to talk about the cosmos in which we live well, none of that really answers the question of where heaven is, though. We usually think of it as up, don't we? Did you notice in the songs how many of them refer to heaven being up? And we associate it with the sky or even with outer space. Jesus said, or his ascension, Acts 1.11, that this Jesus was taken up from you into heaven. So he went up, and so we naturally associate heaven with being up. And we think of God being above us. And we read in Isaiah where God said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So he would be above and then the earth would be below. Still not very many of us, I think, think of heaven as outer space. Outer space is observable. 
outer space is knowable to some extent. Heaven, while it's tempting to identify it not as a place at all, but as a spiritual condition. And that's the way that some folks think about it. An otherworldly existence that's not material in nature at all. It's just a state in which we live, not a place. Still, we remember that Jesus did say, I go to prepare what? A place for you that where I am, there you may be also. So he talked about it as a place. And we will still have bodies, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, although he says there'll be spiritual bodies, and I frankly do not know what a spiritual body is. You know, we tend to think of spiritual and body as sort of being opposite. But Paul says when we're raised from the dead, we will be transformed into spiritual bodies because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. So we'll be transformed, but still we'll have some kind of uh, bodies in order to inherit the kingdom. So it's hard not to think of heaven as a place. But then there are different understandings of what that place is. As I mentioned before, some think of it as a purely spiritual place. Since it is the place where God is, and God is spirit, Jesus said. John chapter 4 and verse 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so some think of heaven simply as, as having no material reality at all. Totally a spiritual kind of existence. Others, however, point out that the Bible promises not just a new heaven, but a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 13, just after saying that the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn, Peter says, but according to the promise, his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Revelation 21 in verse 1, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And so he sees a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus taught us to pray, what? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And didn't Paul write in Romans 8, 21, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God? Didn't he say that creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now? Didn't he say that it is not only we who groan for our redemption, but creation itself is awaiting its own redemption? So there are those who believe that a renewed earth has a place in heaven. So some people believe that we will live simply in heaven, in an otherworldly state that is totally immaterial and entirely unrelated to this world. Others say that what we call heaven is simply a label for the renewed creation, the new heaven and new earth in which we will live, that we will live on this earth, recreated and renewed. And still others say that in eternity there will be no distinction between heaven and earth, but that they will they will be joined together is expressed in that great old hymn, This Is My Father's World. 
You remember that verse that says, this is my father's world, oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world, the battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. So that's the way a lot of folks conceive of heaven is that the distinction between earth and heaven is completely erased. Now, I know that may be a little bit confusing, and you're sitting here thinking, now, you said you were going to tell us. Where is heaven? So let me just make three observations about that. Number one, heaven will be where it will be, no matter what you and I conclude about it, or what anybody else concludes about it. We have to wait to see what it will be, and whatever we think is not going to change what heaven is. So it will be what it will be. Second, we should understand that devout Bible-believing people believe each one of the things that I've just outlined. And if we don't agree with their view of heaven, then we ought to be charitable about that. We should agree to disagree about that. A good case, I think, can be made for each. Uh, we can all go to different verses and, and see different elements of those different views in them. So we need to be charitable about it. But here's my third observation about it. For me personally, it doesn't really matter to me. Wherever it is, I just want to be there. I don't really care where the table is set. I just want a place at the table. If God chooses it for it, for it to be in some immaterial state, in his presence, well and good. If he chooses it to be on this earth, well and good. If he chooses it to be some sort of blending of heaven and earth, well and good. I just want to be there. I just want a part of it. Why? Because wherever it is, that's where God is. And wherever God isn't, well, that's what we call hell. And I don't want any part of that. You see, if God isn't there, there's no goodness, there's no love, there's no joy, there's no hope, there's no peace, there's no life. Hell is the absence of God. So Jesus said, where I am, there you may be also. But understand, when he said that, he was talking to his followers. He was talking to those who trust him and who spend their lives seeking to do his will. He was talking to people who genuinely desire to be in his presence, who love him with all their heart and soul and mind and spirit. The question this morning is, is that you? God wants you to be with him forever in eternity. He wants that for everybody in the world. That's his desire for you. And if you are not headed toward that eternity, it's only because you have chosen not to. It's only because you've refused the gracious offer of living forever with God in his presence. So let me encourage you today to set your sights on heaven. You start doing that by confessing Christ as God's son and the only one who can redeem you.
And you do that by deciding to turn away from a life of sin and self-centeredness. And by being baptized into Jesus and into his death and being united with him even now. So that you can be united with him for all eternity. A union that will never end. You see, the greatest question about heaven is not any of the other things we've talked about. It's this. Will you be there? Will you be there? And that's a question for you to answer. If you're ready to start toward heaven today. Come and tell us, and we'll help you. Let's stand and sing.